This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Mercedes Maguire, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat to you today. Yeah, I'm really excited too because I don't think, I'm not sure if we've done this before, but we don't have, this isn't technically a writer, right? You're not technically a writer of books, but you are a writer. I'm a writer, not an author. Yeah, well, you get published (laughs) though. Um, Let me me tell our audience about Mercedes, um, about you. Uh, You've been a journalist for almost 30 years starting with Sydney's The Sunday Telegraph in the early 1990s. Over the years, uh, Mercedes has also freelanced for New ID, the Sydney Morning Herald and Australian Gourmet Traveller, to name a few. These days, um, the work she loves best is reading new release novels, interviewing authors and writing book reviews for the Daily and Sunday Telegraphs, which is what we love doing at Better Reading as well, which is how we connected. Yeah. Now, the reason why she's here with us today is because Mercedes recently um, interviewed me for an article for The Telegraph highlighting the billion-dollar romance novel industry. So we thought we'd chat about it because it's such an interesting topic and it's a topic I've got so much to say about. So tell me firstly um, why the article, why you chose to write, write about it. So Yes, yeah, so basically my boss, the, the editor of The Sunday Telly, um, Mick, um, just sent me off to say it, it, with the only pitch was find out what's happening um, in the romance industry. Are we still reading bodice rippers or have we moved on from that? Is it still, you know, heavily influenced by Mills and Boone or, or have we evolved? And I have to admit I knew very little about the romance genre. I, I do read romance in amongst all the other genres that I read, um, but I was really shocked and surprised to discover what I discovered in the story um, and how huge and dominating a genre it is still. Mm. Now, you know, I, I I don't know how why you reached out to me when you did, um, but I always love to talk to journalists and reviewers like yourself because for many years, um, you know, book literary reviews have been very high-end, if you like, or very snobby or, you know, only spoke to a few people. And when I've worked in the industry my entire career, I deviated for a couple of years but pretty much, you know, well over 30 years, and all I have been doing is really responding to readers Mm-hmm. Right. I, I worked in a public libraries, a library assistant. You know, I worked in publishing. I worked in book retail for a long time, and I've just responded to demand. Right. But when I when I started this business, better reading, 
it came from I was at a dinner party and somebody asked me what you do and you probably get this all the time as well mm. and it's kind of two responses. The first response I get, and I'm sure this has happened to you, people will confess when the last time it was that they read a book, right? Oh, I haven't read a book since I was 19 or, you know, do you get that? Yes, I yeah. do. And, yeah. and shortly followed by asking for a recommendation. Bingo. <laughs> then okay. the next one, the next Sorry, question I you. ask, yeah, <laughs> is what should I read? Maybe to get myself back into reading or something that I would like or blah, blah. Now, I've got this thing and I don't want anyone out there who's listening to test it because it's only for friends and family. But if you tell me the last two books you've read, I can absolutely pick the next two books that you're going to read. I can give you recommendations without a doubt, right? But this business idea came from the fact that no one has ever asked me what not to read. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Very Someone true. asked you? No. No. And so That's how come all the reviews? There are so many. There were so many reviews for such a long time of telling you the books that you shouldn't read. How, yeah. how useful is that? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got millions, like we reach a million readers a day. And the other problem I have now, and this is in the industry as well, you know, is people often say to me, oh, Cheryl, you're too popular. I'm like, oh, what, me personally too popular? Yeah, me personally too popular. Um but no, they don't like the popularity of what my readers are reading. Oh, and that's where the romance genre comes in. Well, that's interesting you say all of that because that's why I approached you because I wanted to talk to, as well as all the publishers and authors I was talking to, I also wanted to talk to someone who was a bit more independent and who I knew was in contact with or hearing from just average readers um, constantly. And so that's, that is why I reached out to you. Hmm. I, I want to get to to the research you did and the length of time that it takes to write a story like this and also where people can find it to read it. But I also, and, and you would have discovered this as well, um, is readers, genuine readers, read across all genres. Yeah, Do you I get a sense so. of that? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I want to, who, who I want to call genuine readers, but I I, I read across all genres. Um, yeah. Yeah. A good story is a good story as far as I'm concerned. 
That's right. And so when we're talking to an audience of million, a million people and people say we're popular, well, you know, what I like about that comment is I feel as though we speak to every person in that million. We offer them all sorts of genres. Yes, we love romance. Yes, they love romance. But they read a whole lot of other things as well. You can't pigeonhole readers, I don't think. No, not not today. Maybe you could have, um, you know, 10, 20 years ago before social media took over our lives. But I think now, um, yeah, w- most people read across at least, you know, several genres. Mm. Okay. So tell me, with a story like this, how does it work for you? How does the research start? How do you start? Because I often wonder how it is that you start to form the opinion and the shape of the article. So talk to me about all the back end and how it came to be. Okay. Um, Well, with this one, like I said, I was given a very small brief um, just to go out and discover um, and in a way that was good because I didn't have anything, I didn't, I didn't have to fit any criteria or suit any criteria. I could literally just go out and, and see what I could find. So I started with just some very basic Googling just to get some numbers and statistics and find out what's going on in the genre. Um, and then the next stage was to find as many experts in the area as I could. So, you know, I, I approached you, I approached several different publishers to get a real overview. Um, And then once I had um, an idea of who the main players were, the authors, I approached some of them. Um, And that was was essentially it. It it all started to come together in a complete um, story after I had done all of those interviews and, and done that research. And luckily I didn't have a tight deadline. I was given you know, a few weeks, which is unheard of in newspapers. Usually we have to turn things around, sometimes in a day, um, sometimes in a few hours if you're on the, you know, news desk. Um, so it was a bit of a luxury. But um, I discovered that there was a real story to tell with romance um, and bits of it had been told here and there. I'd found articles that had covered some areas of what I'd written about but not the whole complete story and certainly not from an Australian perspective. Mm. Um, so, yeah, once I had the complete story, I was able to um, put it all into that one 2,000-word one, one story, which, again, you never get to write that much usually in a newspaper article. So it was another luxury to tell mm. a story properly. So um, tell me what some of well things that surprised you, you know, um, about what you discovered about the genre. First of all, that it was, and I think this came from you, um, but, and then I backed it up with some stats, but how much the industry is worth, um, you know, over a billion dollars globally, and and you know that it's it's this I think science fiction and mystery genres combined. Um, so that was the first thing that surprised me. But then it, it also didn't surprise me because everyone reads romance, really, whether they want to admit it or not. Everyone, most people read romance. Um, I think the other thing that really surprised me was how the genre had evolved um, and why it evolved. So I spoke to um, an academic in Queensland who explained to me um, she had researched the romance genre for a PhD and she explained to me how trends came and went in the within the romance um, genre I think she's you know she used examples like you know there was a period of time where billionaire romance was really big and lots of books were coming out um, yeah and and then she said but then you know 
Donald Trump got elected in 2016 and the bottom fell out of that. No one wanted to be, you know, he sort of ruined <laughs> that subgenre for us. But I just found it really interesting and, you know, how, and then it was a single dad genre that was really popular. And, you know, in Australia back in, you know, 2010 or a bit earlier, rural romance really started to grow. And I just found that really interesting that the genre responded to what was going on in the world and I guess that's how it's stayed popular and stayed relevant um and but I last... think all genres do that yeah I just didn't expect the romance genre to I it's you know naively I thought that it was the, the romance genre today was pretty much the same as it was you know decades past but just with updated storylines but it's not at all and and the last thing that really surprised me was um, this that I discovered this whole subgenre that's evolving predominantly out, out of TikTok, but with um, you know some almost quite quite worrying um, subject matter, the whole bully romance um, subgenre, and and you know the way young readers are responding to that was a bit concerning. I've got an eighteen year old daughter. Um, yeah, I just found it really interesting. It's a fascinating genre. But I think with all of reading, we respond to the moment, you know, whether it be fiction mm. or nonfiction. You know, I even think I was around, I was working at Random House when the Da Vinci Code came out, you know, back, right. back then. Um, and I feel that that was of the moment as well. There mm. was, if that were to come out now, I don't think it would have the same interest, reach, sales as it did back then. I think mm. there are times, like your professor was saying, where the audience, where the reader needs that certain comfort or needs that mm. certain curiosity or, you know, with, um, yeah, with the Da Vinci Code, there was that real um, doubting about or secrecy around church, you know, mm. and then that kind of blew out and developed over time. The YA genre is very interesting to me mm. because it didn't exist when I was a bookseller on the shop floor, right? right. You just went from kids' books to adult. And when you yeah. came to me as a, you know, parents would often come in, you know, my child's 16 or 17, they've read everything in the kids' department, you know, and I would, you know, Tom Clancy, Jackie Collins, you know, Flowers in the Attic, they were the kind of kind of crossover books that yeah. you would recommend. Um, but that genre is blown, blown out to all proportions. But, again, I think it's been responsive. Like a lot of it is romance-based, even the dystopia. Mm you know, it mixes fantasy with romance and yeah. really feeds into what these kids are feeling and doing at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely love YA and it's something that I discovered only because I had to read some YA for work. I probably would never have picked up a book if it had been left up to me and I'm so glad that I did do that because I, I really love them. But I think all genres have an element of romance in them, some more than others. Mm -hmm. um, I particularly you know, I love historic, they call it historic fiction, but I sort of call it historic romance because the, the romance in a historic novel it, it is all-encompassing. It, it mm. sort of it drives the plot. Um, mm. and it, It's the arc, you know. It's the arc. And I, I think you find that even in mystery and in, you know, in, in all genres there's a really strong romance element. A mm. book, it, it's rare to find a book that has no romance in it. Mm. Do you know, um, uh, many years ago, many years ago, I was working on the shop floor. I might have told you this. And um, I was at Dimmick's, Dimmick's in George mm. Street. And uh, 
I was, you know, it would get so busy on a Thursday night around 6.37 because it was payday. And oh. people back then, yellow envelopes, right, with their oh. cash in it, honestly, and they would come up with four or five bills and boons, you know, or seven or eight or whatever their weekly reading was and open up those yellow envelopes and buy that. And, you know, there would be 10, 15 people on a queue. Um, and I don't think that that's gone away. I think it's just a different format now. No, I agree. I mean, even Mills and Boons haven't, hasn't gone away, and that was another thing that surprised me, that it's still a really big, thriving, you know, company. Um, no, I, I agree. I mean, maybe we're not buying them in the same way or in the same proportions, but the thirst for romance is definitely still there. In fact, it's probably, I mean, I wonder if it's even bigger. Um, well, as I, I, I think like we talked about this when you were interviewing me for the article, I felt during lockdown, so, you know, that yeah. first, you know, week, month, whatever it was, that nightmare <laughs> of where are we, where are we going, <laughs> who am yeah. I, you know, what happens to my business? I mean, nobody knew anything. I was like, no. oh, my God, I've got five people working for me. What am I going to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and we took off. We, I mean, people turned to reading. They did. But they did turn to escapism. Yeah. They turned to good stories, like stories with a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's another thing I didn't know naively, that technically a romance novel, to be called a romance novel, has to have a happy ending or, you know, a happy for now ending. I didn't realise that that was a criteria. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I know that that's what I was doing when I was stuck in lockdown with two kids homeschooling and virtually lost my work overnight. Um, I turned to books and reading, but a specific type of books and reading. I turned to things that made me feel good and made me want to, like, it, for me, it was historic, historic romance or historic fiction. That was my genre of choice through the pandemic. I didn't even realise I was doing it until I looked back and um, noticed what it was that I was reading because that's that's what I love the most. Mm. So, yeah, I agree with you. And it was so heartening to see afterwards the statistics and the figures of, you know, book sales having increased and um, and how much people had turned to, you know, platforms like yours and um, to share their views. I think it was a real growth area um, for reading and for books. Mm. And, and, you know, I feel that at the time, because we were all of us, you know, globally at the same time, which is another mm. phenomenon in itself, mm. were in a place of the unknown. None mm. of us knew where this was going, how long it was going to last and what impact it was going to have. Yeah, it so was scary. It was so scary. Mm. So really people needed some feel-good experiences. They did. They did. And maybe that's response you know the statistics that I found with the romance genre I think it was something like during 2021 it grew by like more than 20 percent and then in 2022 it grew by more than 80 percent like it um, those statistics are staggering mm. for, for any genre um mm. but it, it clearly has to have been you know that's not coincidental that we were mm. really diving into romance during the pandemic um, I spoke to Marianne Keys a few years ago now. I can't remember what it was pre-COVID for sure. She was in our office. I love her. Isn't she wonderful? Yeah. And she said she takes offense to people saying that her books are guilty pleasures oh. because 
Yeah, and she was right. You know, I'd never really looked at it that way, but she said, why? Why Why guilty? Why should you be guilty about reading a story that makes you feel good? And she tackles some big issues. She does. Yeah, she really does. Um, Suffers terrible anxiety herself um, and doesn't hide any of that in her writing. But she said, why is it that when we come to something that is pleasurable, we want to say that it's a guilty pleasure? Mm. It's interesting, it's isn't it? True. It is interesting. And um I've been guilty of saying that in the past. But yeah, you're right. It shouldn't it should just be a, a pleasure. Not a guilty it should. one. Just a yeah. Pleasure. yeah. Yeah. And I think that people are getting over that more now. I think people are a bit more open about saying, This is what I read, I enjoy it, so what? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think authors are also saying, This is what I write, I'm good at it, mm-hmm. you know, so what? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but I, I, with talking to some of the authors, there is still a stigma. It's maybe not as big as it was, but there, there are still, I think one, one author said to me that she still gets comments from, you know, parents or associates in, in her life who'll, who, you know, snigger and say, oh, you know, bit of raunchy romance, is it? And, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And, you know, there is still a bit of that around, Mm. I think, but I I don't think don't want to give too much credit to TikTok because I'm very, um, I'm not on board with the whole TikTok thing really, but I think that that has helped um, make it not more acceptable, but it's, it's made it cool. Like the the whole romance genre has become cool. um, Mm -hmm. I think thanks to to TikTok and, and a really young audience that has come to romance novels. I mean, i you mentioned Dimmock's in George Street, which is my favourite bookstore, and I try and go in there. I, like sometimes I go in there once a week. Sometimes I just go in and have a coffee there just because I like being in there. But um, they, you walk in there now and they have right at the front, as you walk into the left, where they normally have their big tables of new release stock, they have an entire wall of um, TikTok books and YA books and um it's obviously people are coming in and asking for it, so they've put it front and centre. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't deny, I suppose, that the TikTok phenomena, um, although I don't like to overstate it either. Mm. It is certainly selling a, a certain genre, but, again, targeted at young people, although some of the adult yeah. books have taken off as well. But, you know, young people's books are often crossovers, you know, adults read OIA as much as YA. Um, yeah. It's really interesting, and you would have been around at the time when ebooks were starting to to kind of grow and be the conversation, and people were so worried about young people not reading. I mean, I was worried about young people not reading, um, you know, and I just would remember all the things I read, you know, in 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 a hardcover format or a hard, mm. you know, a book, um, and. Um, and then I was like, will those kids ever know? And then, you know, Harry Potter came and people were reading how many volumes of how many pages yeah. of books. Children took to that. Like I feel as though yeah. you give them a story. They don't care what format it's in. Yeah, they just want but, to read it. And they lined up to buy those Harry Potter books. They weren't lining up to buy the e-version. I, I do remember when e-books came out and there was yes. the whole doom and gloom about yes. them. You know, bookstores will be a thing of the past mm. and books will be as rare as you know cassette mm-hmm. tapes and I'm so glad to know that that hasn't um that hasn't transpired but again with TikTok I think and my 18 year old explained this to me a little bit because I'm not on TikTok and like I said I don't get it but 
there's a whole aesthetic around, um, you know, sharing the book that you're reading that Mm. really appeals to that TikTok platform and to that young demographic where they're not, they're not reading, they're not showing you on their tablet what they've just read or they're not reading the last page on their tablet and bawling their eyes out, you know, filming themselves on TikTok. They're showing you the real hard copy book. And mm. their rooms so and that, their bookshelves, everything. And, and yeah. the, whole, the, the whole aesthetic of the bookshelf is a yeah. huge thing now. And, and I hope that these people are buying these books and reading them, not just buying them because they look pretty to go on their shelves. But, yeah, um, yeah books, like hard copy books, mm. are definitely not dying out. If anything, I think they've grown. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the rural romance genre is always one that I've particularly been fond of, not not necessarily just to read, but um, it kind of developed in my career. Like I started, you know, seeing it grow um, and it was a very Australian type of romance, you know. Yeah. Um, and those authors I really think have, they've hit the nail on the head in terms of storytelling um, but another thing I see, and you might have noticed this with your conversations with them, they're all so lovely and respectful of each other. They all speak of each other's work. Did you notice yeah, that? Absolutely, 100%. It doesn't matter who publishes you. They are, and you see it on Instagram in particular, the community um, that they are all a part of. It doesn't, it, it goes beyond publishing borders. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're Alan and Unwin or if you're HarperCollins or, you know, whatever they um they all support each other and they all promote each other and I found that a lot when I was interviewing the authors they'd say oh have you spoken to da 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 or oh da 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 does that really really well Mm. um and it didn't matter that they were cross-promoting into another publication it was yeah it it was it's really heartening I think it's really lovely not just in romance but I think all, all genres do this they really support each other in such a fabulous way there's there's no competition I find it's a very Australian thing I mean I went to New York a few years back and spoke to a few authors now it wasn't that anybody was being you know bad-mouthing each other or Mm. saying anything terrible Mm. it wasn't that at all but they didn't know other authors a lot like they didn't like I would come from one block and see one author to another and they wouldn't have even known that the author lived down the road so yeah so there wasn't that well, from what I saw, there wasn't that connection. Writers weren't connected in a community in a way that it is in Australia. Um, yeah, it was really interesting, actually. But, you know, I've been in this industry and, and you have too. How long have you been book reviewing now? Uh, probably, probably for about seven, eight years. Mm, yeah, it's a while. Yeah. You're seeing tra- you yeah. see a lot happening in that time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been in it over 30 years. But do you know what? It that Almost every day it surprises me with something new. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, I mean, I, I, I just love what you were saying about the community and I find it, I, f- I find it even nicer that it's an Australian thing, but that's what I love the most about being on Instagram with my book, Instagram um, page because you I, I constantly discovering new books um, new genres I I have my list on my iPhone of books that I want to read goes into the hundreds now like it's ridiculous um, but I mean yeah it's con- you're constantly discovering new things mm. it, it, 
And I get anxious thinking of all the books I have to read. I'm never going to get around to reading them. That's right. I'm sure there's another story in that because so many people talk about having book anxiety. Actually, that's an interesting thing that comes out of Instagram as well. So many people, you know, they show their bookshelves and they go, oh, my God, my bookshelves are out of control. How am I ever going to read? I've got to stop buying books. And then they show their, you know, stack of 10 books that they just bought that morning and yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop. Uh, listen, so where can people find you, firstly? So uh, the Daily and Sunday Telegraph, is that right? So I, yeah, I write for um, the uh, weekend magazine in the Saturday Daily Telegraph um, and I write for the insider section of the Sunday Telegraph. That's where most of my author um, and book reviews are. Um, and on Instagram, I, I mean, I have my regular Instagram page at Merck Maguire, but I also have my book Instagram page, which is at Merck's Book Nook, where I put all my reviews of every single book I read. And where can people read this particular article? So this article came out in the Saturday Daily Telegraph a couple of weeks ago. If you go to the Daily Telegraph, Com. Actually, it's just dailytelegraph.com.au. Um, you can search for it there, either under my byline or just using search words, romance, etc. Um, and yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's. Where and I think they can find it on the better better reading website as well because I think we posted yes. it too. Anyway, we're out of time. Thank you, lovely. It was so nice to chat with you. Nice to chat too. I hope I said something interesting. Oh, it was all interesting. I enjoyed I'm it not very used to much. Being <laughs> Take care. Nice to talk books with you, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.